voracious book reader. Yeah. And you know, I've I've written my books, my autobiography, yeah. and then I had my my works, my my four Broadway shows, off Broadway shows printed as, as plays. Yeah. And uh, so so that's how I come to, to writing books. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, yeah. So uh, this one, this one's been around. You started what? Uh, Twenty ten. Ghetto Clown was the first, the first show. So, no, no, man. This show took me forever. It was that was the hardest one yeah. to do of all my shows because I had to break the uh, sort of the, the portrait of an artist. Yeah, like the, like the career. Yeah, and no one had cracked that code yet, so it took me a long time to figure out how to do it. Otherwise, you sound like you're just patting yourself on the back, or you sound like. Uh, like you're doing your resume, you know. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't work. So, you know, at first I thought, oh, it's gonna be a narcissistic, egocentric ride, but yeah. it, it it was totally the opposite. It's so much more self-flagellating. You have to, <laughs> you have to hurt yourself yeah. so bad in order for the piece to work. You have to reveal stuff that you never wanted to reveal. Like that's how you get the audience on your side by just. That's the only way the thing all. makes sense. That's the only yeah. way the thing. Plays. That's the only way that the, the piece has a, a, a three act structure. Yeah, I see. You, well, so you so you've got to sort of start like low, and then and then make your way up towards a successful career, and all the troughs. No, in. no. Well, my 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 just my my journey is happened to be low. Yeah. Because I, you know, but it's also more more interesting story if you know if you start from like nothing, right? Yeah, exactly. So luckily, luckily, I was born into poverty. <laughs> so it, for the it, sake for, for of story the, wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. for a story, it's great. So I was born, at, you know, to nothing. Yeah, and and then lost what little we had. Yeah, and uh, and then you know, a lot of I was a troubled child and a lot of problems. You know, almost got expelled from school, got arrested. You know, a lot a lot of. Uh, Violence in the neighborhood, and and at home, and uh, and then I found myself. Man. Yeah. And then and then you thought it was going to be an easy ride, and then that's when the pro- <laughs> when you start succeeding, then that's when the, a whole new host of problems yeah. come your way. Yeah. I, I'm actually I'm actually I was surprised because you've you've done all these shows before, and you know a lot of them are like autobiographical or loosely autobiographical. So how is it that you've managed to kind of avoid a lot of the subject matter up to this point? You know, like four other shows before this. Well, my first show, my well, my first show obviously was just about my neighborhood yeah. and, pe- and other people, and then my second show was about a fictitious family, loosely based on my family, kind of my long day's journey tonight, yeah. comedy, Latin <laughs> version, and then Freak was basically birth to coming of age to like fourteen, fifteen, yeah. and then Sexaholics was just about having kids, you know, being a dad and and the women in my life. Was was there a sense that you know up, up till up till you really started talking about yourself that you know you felt that maybe you as a subject weren't you you weren't as exciting as the people around you? Uh, I I, ne- I never wrote it these pieces to showcase myself. Yeah, it it was it was it was I, I had a burning need to tell a story and and and. Uh, Definitely, I started without other people because I found them so much more fascinating. Yeah. And then it started becoming about me just because of, you know, like you can't really tell your, sto- your story. You shouldn't be writing a story about yourself hmm. unless you had an incredible life or you can tell it. Yeah. If you have a regular life and you tell it incredibly. I felt like I was of the latter, that I had an okay, interesting life, but it was more the way I told it and the, and the way I paid attention to the minutiae. Yeah. That brings people into it, so you can experience a whole life, and it really happened in a way. But but on stage, by with one person, 
But the, that's just is that that's just early on, or like you look back at your life, you don't feel like it's extraordinary. I mean, it, it clearly it is. It is like <laughs> it's hard for me to be to, have, to be objective yeah. about, about myself. I think sure. I'm an g- incredible storyteller. <laughs> yeah, more than I did. I had an incredible life. You know, yeah, I, a lot of crazy things happened to me, and I had, you know, you know, the, the unfortunate. To, the, 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 the misfortune of having had some, you know, horrific things happen to me in, in my youth, but then incredible success happened to me, and then you know the ups and downs of a, of anybody's career. Yeah. You know, it, it all goes up and down, and and, and you got to try to survive it. Yeah, so are, are you are you a reflective person generally, or is this is this kind of force you to take a closer look at yourself? You know, I I, I wasn't a very reflective person, but um, hmm. I got. I, I was forced by my high school to go into therapy. Otherwise, yeah. I was going to get expelled. And they forced me into therapy. And therapy at 17, and I, you know, I was yeah. there for four years. And I would pay them like – you paid them – it was called a youth counseling league. And you paid them whatever you made. I worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken, so you know, minimum wage. You paid them a chicken? <laughs> a chicken leg. <laughs> uh, a piece of extra crispy bucket. And, uh, and you know, that made me incredibly self-aware. Yeah. And changed me completely, you know. Save it, saved me. Do, do you do you touch on that in the in the show at all? The the actual therapy itself? Uh, no, I had it in the, I had it in there a lot, and 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 it had to be extricated just for the just to compress forty years of life yeah. on stage, and now in the in the book, I just there was no room for it. Yeah. I just couldn't. I, I, you know, I wanted to pay tribute to it because I, I find so, it, it was so helpful to me. I'm just, I'm really interested about like what you know, like a 17 year old. You know, most people discover therapy much, much later <laughs> in life. Like, I, as much as you can, take me through that like first session. What's that like being a kind of like a you know a rambunctious 17 year old? It's hard, man, because I really resisted it. I hated the therapist at yeah. first. You know, it's kind of a typical yeah, yeah, yeah. scenario. You know, I was really antagonistic. Yeah. Wouldn't talk. Pretty soon. The dude won me over, yeah. and he was my best friend. And then he, and then he, you know, it was it was a low paying job, so the dude had upward mobility yeah. in his eyes, so he moved on. And then they, they you know, I kept getting different therapists because everybody, you know, it was a low paying job, and they wanted some, they wanted to move on. So I had a whole mess of different therapists. But th- pretty soon I was hooked, and I was going twice a week. And pretty yeah. soon I was twenty one, and I wanted to d- graduate to group therapy. I, I loved it, man. Is it, I, heard, I was uh, I was watching your, your the Charlie Rose interview a few years back about. Uh, oh, about you did some research. Look, at yeah, you. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I gotta have a little I bit like going. This. You're, you're like a real journalist. Also, just like you know, any chance I get to watch Charlie Rose, I'll take it. I love. Charlie yeah, Rose. he is the bomb, isn't he? Um, but you, you said something towards the end. You were talking about. Um, I think it's your, your your current therapist, and um, you know, he made some comment about how like. You know, he basically I deconstruct you in um, probably a pretty accurate way about, you know, have you been like a, the class clown? How you need to sort of like, you know, be a little bit more in the moment, how you're like deflecting, things like that. And it's sort of, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. It was, did you feel like the, the, the initial objective of therapy to, was, was to sort of like move you away from that, from, from being the class clown, from being the guy who just kind of acted out? Well, I think that was the school's idea. Yeah. Because, you know, I was... I was out of control, and I was really smart. So you know, a smart person who 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 loves mayhem can be really dangerous in a school. So yeah. you know, I was, you know, locking teachers out of rooms, orchestrating walkouts, you know, <laughs> just for fun. Just because I I just was always wanted to be the center of attention, yeah. and, and I just wanted things to be fun. I yeah. just wanted fun all the yeah, time, yeah, yeah. man. And sometimes school wasn't. You know, it wasn't part of the fun, so it was more. It was more fun to be disruptive, and 
and so the school needed to control me in some way. And so they put me in the therapy, and they thought, yeah, it would, dis- it would sort of dismantle the bomb. Yeah. And I would no longer be crazy. And it, and it worked. It's like Equus. All of a sudden, you dissect the did, body. Did it, though? Because you're here now. You know? Like, you've got this career based on being a, being a class clown. Right, but it's not, it doesn't happen in my life anymore like it used to. You know? How do you mean? Now it's mostly like when I'm on stage oh, or I see. performing you're, you're, or acting. You're channeling it. Yeah, like yeah. I'm much more calm in my regular life. I, yeah. was, out of, I was so out of control in, in, in since, since, jun- since junior high, what you guys call middle school. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I was, yeah, junior high. I, I was uh, California. I think we called it junior high. Did there. you too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, th- that's People interesting. money call it middle school. <laughs> yes, I was in middle school. Yeah, you, you saw my polo shirt. You figured uh, I was a, a rich guy. Um, it, you know, it's interesting, though. So, so I guess what that gave you, in a sense, was the ability to, um, like I said before, is, was to channel it. So is that what drove you to to perform to sort of like more, I guess, kind of like formal outlets for for. Well, I was already humor. performing. You're already performing. Yeah, yeah. My math teacher, Mr. Zufa, was like, Mr. Lesquizum, you have the attention span of a sperm. If you can really handle your annoying attention pain ways. And, and he told me to become a stand-up. So I looked, you know, back in the day, we didn't have internet. So in the yellow pages, I found an acting school, hmm. Sylvia Lee's Showcase Theater. And I went there and... I was 17, you know, and I paid yeah. my Kentucky Fried Chicken went to paint therapy yeah. and in my acting classes, which were about $300 a semester or something like that. Yeah. And uh, I was in there and I found myself, man. I did a scene from Dino, which Salminia, you're too young to know who Salminia was. Oh, I know Salminia. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah. I've seen Rebel Without a Cow. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. So that actor, he was pretty famous back in the day. Yeah. And he did this thing, this movie about, it was a play for us, and it was a movie about this yeah. kid who's troubled, hates his dad, is getting arrested. So it was kind of like my life. Yeah. And I did that, and all of a sudden I got all these offers to be in NYU films, and I was like, I made it, man, yeah. I made it. And, and, and I loved it. It, it seemed, yeah, I mean, you've got, it, like, it seemed like he, a lot of stuff, once he started doing this, happened pretty, pretty quickly for you. Like, even like your first one-man show, you started getting a lot of attention, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it didn't just come that easy, but... Yeah. I know, like, in retrospect, it's always easy to just, like, point out things. As I mean, I just, worked hard. Yeah. I got to say, I worked, I worked my ass off, you know. I mean, I was 17, but I was, you know, I was taking acting classes there. I was doing the therapy, mm-hmm. and, then I, and then I joined HB Studios when I was um, 18 or 19, so I was going to HB Studios, then I was going, I was going to, then I, went, then I went to Strasburg Institute. Oh, wow. yeah. When I was twenty or nineteen, so yeah. I was I was going you were to a lot serious of early on. Oh man, yeah, I yeah. loved it. It was like a, I don't know, man. I was passionate about it, and, uh, and it was fun. There were a lot of beautiful girls in the classes yeah. and everything, yeah. and so it was it was an incredible experience, and I loved it. So pretty soon, I got my first student film, and and the student film won an award, yeah. and all of a sudden, I got Miami Vice. I, w- I was a punk nineteen year old villain on Miami Vice. What was that? What was that experience like? Crazy, man. I can imagine. You feel like you hit the lottery. You know, yeah. you're 19. You're on Miami Vice, like the hottest yeah. show. But I was the guest villain, and uh, you know, I was kind of. I don't know. I was all right. I was. I was mad, wet behind the ears. So I was okay. Yeah. You must have. You, it's, it sounds like you had a few moments, like early on, where like you're like, okay, this is it. Now I've made it. Like officially, like it's just going to be easy, easy from here on out. It right? always feels like it's going to be yeah. easy, but it never is. But yeah, it, it looks easy. So, but yeah, I, I from Miami Vice, then all of a sudden I got an agent, and then all of a sudden, you know, yeah. I start I started auditioning for things, but not getting things either. You know, I auditioned for a ton of things, but you know, it were limited opportunities for a Latin man back in the day. Sure. Yeah. What, 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 
did you do did you actually do stand up as as suggested to you you know i never re- i did a little bit of stand up uh-huh. i never it wasn't really my thing and i never i never pursued it it wasn't what i wanted to do i loved i don't know i loved acting and creating characters so yeah. i i guess i started pretty fast doing uh sketch comedy imp- i was in an improv part of an improv group called first amendment that was a big deal here in new york where you know robin williams had come by and bruce willis yeah. and i came towards the tail end when it was collapsing but i got a, i was performing there and then i with a girlfriend we became a sketch comedy group i went up for ronnie dangerfield and and then i started writing my own stuff doing it in the performance art spaces yeah. How did how did the the one man shows start? Like, what was what, you know what was behind that? Why not like why not put on a you know a broader show or why not like write a book? Like, why was that the right form at the time? You know, it it just it just centered all the things that I really love, like great writing, yeah, uh, personal storytelling, autobiographical storytelling, um, characters. I, I don't know, man. I just saw it that I I could really take it to a, a whole new level. Because I had watched Spalling Gray, who I loved, and uh, Lily Tomlin, and, and yeah. Eric Bogosian, who brought yeah, sex yeah, and yeah, rock yeah. and roll to yeah. it, and, and Lily Tomlin, who brought the, the, made it a play, and, and Spalling Gray made it personal. But I took a little bit of everybody's, and I turned into an autobiographical play where I played all the characters in my life. Are, you, are you a little bit of a control freak? Did you feel like I became a control freak? <laughs> I, I don't think I was yeah. a control freak, but I definitely became a control freak. But you know, acting never lets you do that, so it kind of always keeps me keeps me honest. Acting does not yeah. allow you because you're always giving up your power to a director and okay. to. But that's as close as as you're going to get oh, to yeah. that, right? Because you're literally playing every single part. It's in incredible, play. man! It's incredible. I mean, the, and also the freedom that you yeah. have in theater to keep. I mean, you know, I've done a lot of television, a lot of movies. And I see what happens to scripts, you know, the amount of input, the amount yeah. of development, the amount of opinions, till things are watered down pretty much to, you know, corporate black, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But on stage, you're really allowed, I was really allowed almost complete control freedom, freedom to say how I, what I wanted to say, how I wanted to say it, and what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, there, there were risks like, but sexaholics, they didn't. They didn't know if that could be a Broadway piece because it was so sexual and yeah. so graphic and so violent. Even though it was a comedy, they they didn't know if it would there would be an interest. What um, uh, so so what what does a director actually do on a on a play like that? Like what what kind of input does the director have? Well, Peter Askin, who who helped develop Hedwig and the Angry Inch mm-hmm. and, and Trumbo, uh, the story of of the the, the blacklisted yeah, writer, yeah, yeah. famous black. If people don't know. Uh, they're very important, and and uh, Spike Lee and Fisher Stevens. Yeah, you know, they they give me that that outsider point of view, man. That I that's so needed because I'm so mm. inside the stories, and I'm doing so much that I need somebody to really help me look at the whole thing and 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 judge it from the outside and and go too much, more this, less of that. They're they're almost like an editor in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. When when you're actually developing the show, I mean, are you are, are you bouncing these things off of people in your life, which I know can be probably kind of tricky because in yeah. a lot of cases you're actually writing about those people, right? You know, I I, I, I always performed it in small spaces. Often, you know, like Mamba Mouth and, and Spikramo is easier because they were monologues, mm. so I could do one monologue here, one monologue yeah. there. And but when it became uh, like like Freak, I had to perform it all at once. But I would do it just my friends, mm-hmm. not my family. Obviously, I couldn't put my family there because it just didn't want them. To, to, to know Plus I didn't know You know You don't ever know What's going to end up Why yeah. upset them 
Yeah. And all of a sudden the, the, the shit gets cut. And they're yeah. not even, and they're not, now they're pissed off at me and it's not even in the play, you know. So I, I just did it for, for all my friends yeah. for a long, long time. And, and then it starts to get shaped. Then I start doing it. Then I, when I felt confident, then I went to PS122, the garage, the home. I started performing in all those spaces. But there, there is some sort of an uh, inevitability that, like, at some point, they're going to end up seeing this. Like, at some point, my mom is going to end up seeing this thing. You know, that I she's... deny that. I, I am in the total denial. So yeah. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't see that. Because if I did see that, that's I probably good. That's good. For the, that's good for the I have to. Otherwise, right? I would qu- yeah, I would yeah. quit. But you, um, you, you had, like, what, what happened when, that actually, when, when she actually saw it? Wow. <laughs> she was very upset. She was very upset. Yeah. 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 You know, first, I think the first time my mom got really upset was in Spicarama because at first she didn't get it. You know, oh, those characters are so ridiculous. Yeah. Who could they be? And Just they, these cartoon characters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she didn't see herself in it until eventually we were having dinner and I said, you know who that is? I go, she goes, no, it's it, so, who could they be? And I said, it's you, dad, and all you're, that. You're, you're the one who told her? Yeah. Why didn't you tell her? Because I, I can see, I, I was like. <laughs> she you, was so happily oblivious. Yeah, and you, but I was like, I had, yeah, I had a spoiler for it. <laughs> A masochistic is, is, is yeah. got to be what it is, and and then she was like very upset by the whole thing, That's but in a different way, not because she she was divorced from it and they had a different name. Yeah, she was upset at what happened growing up and stuff. She was upset to, having to relive it, right? Not at yeah. me. Then when Free came and it was her and it was supposed to be her, then you know she was really angry at me, and then yeah. my dad was angry at me, and then my 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 family was like I was a whipping. Boy, at all the family gatherings, because they go, how, how, you, how dare you think you think you can talk about the family? You think you can be the one that that, that puts yeah. it all out there? And so, you know, they get a few drinks, and everybody would just jump on me. It's it's it seems uh, it was it was veiled then, like right? I mean, these it was were what? It, it, it was veiled. These were kind of veiled. like caricatures. You didn't really mention it by name by name by name. Freak. Uh, just like early on, was it a little a little more anonymous? No, freak. I mean, mom and dad are mom and dad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, if you're if if I'm saying I'm John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's pretty clear. My grandmother. You know, yeah. Everybody knew who I was talking about. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's different. I guess I guess it's a little different now in the sense that. Um, you know, like it's it's your it's your wife. I mean, you aren't as removed from these things, right? You know, it still has the same basic traps. Like, I can't yeah. let my wife see it till it's totally done because yeah. I'm saying a lot of stuff. You know, and this one, the new one I'm worried about, you know, because I have to talk about my kids, so I don't want to... That's what I'm saying, though. It's even more, you're, you're risking even more, right? Definitely. I mean, I'm very worried about my new piece, Latin History for Dummies, because I, I didn't plan to use my kids in it, but all of us... And, you know, these pieces, they kind of write themselves. Yeah. And I have to sort of surrender. Yeah. You got to capitulate to it, and, and it... And I've learned that early on, you know, so, I mean, right now, my, my son became sort of the bookend of the whole thing and yeah. my daughter. So I'm revealing a lot of things that at one point, if it does become a, a Broadway show, I have to sit with my son and, and prepare him that yeah. a lot of his life issues are going to be on stage. So, you know, I have to, and, I, and I have to respect him because, you know, it's very different than my parents, who I didn't really respect as much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You sounds like you, you didn't have any issue pissing off your dad. <laughs> no, I did. I did. I felt like it was it was sort of my revenge. Yeah. I mean, my mom. I was, you know, she was always been the incredible single mom, yeah. Latin single mom, working three jobs, going to college, you know, doing everything she could to to give us a better life. But my dad was more like a deadbeat dad. 
what what is what what's the process like for for you when you're developing? When you're saying, I mean, it sounds like you're kind of like channeling it in a sense, and and I get the feeling when you're doing these impressions on stage that it's almost like channeling somebody, right? I mean, it's channeling somebody you knew. It is. It's you're crazy, like in, man. In, you're like inhabiting their. You're like I'm like a shaman. You yeah. Know? All of a sudden, I'm doing these voices, and and they're coming out really great, and and all of a sudden, voices that I didn't think I could do, yeah. and and people, and 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 all of a sudden, a lot of their physical traits start to come into That's my mind and, yeah. and, I, and I start you know because I, I love mime not you know like you know mime like you see in yeah. the streets but pantomime. you know but yeah yeah, yeah pantomime like of acting you know like the details of, of, of people's personality revealed through their body yeah. through the gestures their posture I love that kind of stuff and I love for people on, when I'm on stage to see these characters and to forget that I exist you know that that's my biggest joy is when they really go I saw those people I saw those rooms I saw where you were at and I didn't see you I saw the I just saw these characters like in ghetto clown people swore they saw my grandfather on stage and that's the biggest compliment is is, I mean can can you just can you pull that out at any time can you just do can you just be can you be somebody uh you know I, I think when I do on stage I, I prepare really hard, yo, man. I, I, yeah. I, I'm, 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 a, I'm a freak about that stuff. You know, I show. I'm, I'm there like at one noon or one o'clock at the theater. You know, nobody goes yeah. to the theater at noon. Yeah. I'm there from noon till the show, preparing. What does What does that entail? Oh, it tells me doing all the voices, all the characters, huh. doing you know the characters that I feel like maybe I'm losing or or, yeah. or things I need to perfect. But it's not. But but it, but is it just? It's not just going over the script over and over again. It's going over certain parts of the script. Yeah. It's going over the physicality. It's going over, you know, walking yeah. on the stage and doing all my method exercise stuff of visualizing spaces, smells, odors, all the sensory. So I'm not, when I'm on stage, I'm really not on a barren stage. I'm there with, I'm in those spaces myself. Yeah. You know? I'm really seeing those people and, and, and in those places. Do you talk to yourself a lot? I feel like you might, like especially when to. you're prepping, especially when you're prepping yeah, yeah, for a show yeah. like that. I love talking to myself, man. I don't do enough of it anymore because I got kids. I don't want to think I'm crazy. Yeah, but <laughs> but I used to love talking to myself, and I definitely do that when I'm doing one man shows. What 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 is? I mean, is that is that part of the process of getting ready? Because you've, I mean, you've got to sit there and just perfect a voice, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of great actors do it too. Yeah. You know, they they do. I, you know, I've worked with a lot of great actors, and they yeah, it's part of acting, man. You just yeah. talking as the character, and you're talking to yourself, and you're 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 prepping, you're psyching yourself up for the scene, and kind of talking to yourself is one of the best ways to to prep yourself for a scene. It's interesting because you know, I, I know, like, and I've heard you describe it as writing. I, I again, getting back to our friend Charlie Rose, that you um, every day that you're doing a little bit of writing. I always um, write every day. Yeah. Is are, are you are you talking like literally writing, or is is part of that again like finding a way to inhabit these people and using that to tell the story? It's a weird process because, I mean, you know, all my one-man shows, I always wrote them first. Yeah. And then, because, you know, your, your writing mind is very different than, than, than your speaking part of your brain. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. two different aspects of writing. I mean, so I write it all by hand, and then I start acting, and then I start improvising and, and, and just letting, and riffing and just going off. And then I run quickly and write that down and yeah. start incorporating that. And, and that's kind of the way I write. But every day I write, I write like a lot of different things. You know, I write mm. stuff that, that's bothering me, I, kind of a little psychoanalysis, and I, or I'll write a joke or yeah. write something political that's bothering me. But I always write and I, and I, and I file it and, 
that eventually becomes something later on in life. I mean, you've got you've, you've got literal therapy. You've got therapy in the sense that you're like you're sitting there writing these things, and then <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. got therapy in the sense yeah. that you're like going up on stage. But um, but art is therapy. Yeah, I mean, art is, but is but it doesn't therapy. but it doesn't replace the your your need for actual therapy. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't because you still need an expert. Yeah. To to break you down and tell you mm. what you're doing because somebody doesn't really see your behavior. And, and, and break it down and go, why do you keep doing those retarded things to yourself? You know, you're, you're the one that's perpetuating all these, all, all these problems. And, yeah. and, you know, you need somebody who's objective. Because you're not going to listen to your friends, really. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to listen to, you know, I mean, your wife may suggest it. But, you know, it's a perf- you have to give the power to somebody. Yeah, so, so, yeah somebody, somebody objective. Somebody that you respect. Does, yeah. And, and I mean, I respect these people, but, you know, yeah. it's different. But somebody who's, like, outside of your – somebody who doesn't have a horse in that race, right? Right, right, yeah. exactly. The, who, who has, you know, somebody who's objective. Yeah. Well, you feel at least they're objective. I mean, yeah. it's like a paid friend. It's kind of a ridiculous concept, therapy, but, you know, but it's a necessary evil. I, you know, you did, you did that impression of, of, of your therapist, and I'm just wondering, like, how – are you able to, to to shut that off? Or you like, do you just sit there when you meet people like you've met me? Do you, or do you just sort of like, you know, scan people, look them up and down, like figure out like how to do the voice? Yeah. And, yeah, no, definitely. I'm always like, as an actor, you can't help it, man. You're always, I'm, I'm I was always fascinated by yeah. people and, yeah. and their behavior and who they were, and my imagination was always about, yeah, where did they come from? Why do they do that? Why, why, how did they pick that career? And how did they become who they are? And and their and their voice patterns. I mean, it's always fascinated me. So, yeah, that that part of me is always alive. It's always always paying attention to things. This is sort of you know, and the, the, this this is uh, it's kind of a meditation thing. But you know, I, I I suspect that one of the things that therapy has helped you do is um, shut some of that off and like really just kind of relate to people, like being you know be in the moment, as they say in, in like Buddhist Zen. Oh, I don't I don't know. I think it's the opposite. Yeah, I mean, saying, I think I was really much more in the moment before. Interesting. And therapy's helped me sort of to organize my thoughts and it made me very self-aware. Yeah. I wasn't self-aware at all. Yeah. That's what I mean. I mean, being in the moment, you know, cuz again like um it, you know, maybe it's hard to have a conversation with somebody if you're again scanning them, you know, if you're yeah, like, yeah, trying yeah. to figure out their their mannerisms and it's hard to just sort of like relate to somebody. But like I don't that. think I would have written my one man shows if it wasn't for therapy. I mean yeah. therapy's the one that, that really made me start looking at my life and, and examining it and, and and looking at every detail of it and, yeah. and, and being analytical about it. And that's what made me be able to to do freak and, and do ghetto clown. If it wasn't for therapy, I don't think I, if you don't have that sort of uh look turned onto yourself. Yeah. Sort of that eye back on yourself, that selfie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. That, that that therapy does. You can't write about yourself. It's impossible. You're never going to be able to write anything interesting anyway. And like, and you know, like we said before, that ability to not just look at yourself, but to be critical of yourself because you can't right. make fun of other people until you can make fun of yourself. Right, right. You know, yeah. and if you're going to write about yourself, you better be you better be blatantly yeah. honest, and you better be making fun of your damn self if you're going to make fun of other people. Otherwise. Well, what's the point? Yeah, you weren't afraid of making fun of Steven Seagal after what happened. <laughs> you know, I was afraid a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. The dude is big. He's six five. He you can, gotta tell he, the story. Like, what happened? What happened when you met Steven Seagal? You know, I, I I was doing this movie. I was gonna be his right hand man in this movie, mm-hmm. and we were all gathered in a room like this, about to do a rehearsal. Yeah. The director, the other actors, B.D. Wong, Joe Morton, Oliver Platt. Yeah, and. Um, he comes in and he's like, I'm in command. What I say is law. You disagree, look me in the eye and tell me so. 
So I started cracking up because I thought he was kidding because who the fuck talks like that, right? Yeah. And, and because I was laughing, he got so fucking mad that he went and he ran towards me with an elbow and hit me in the solar plexus and knocked me against the brick wall and, and, and basically knocked me out. Do you think – no. hypothetically, no. <laughs> Whatever it is, No. <laughs> Could he just be a method actor on par with? But I was on his. Looks? I was on his side. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of ex- good excuses, but none of them. None of them no, are he's valid. Just a, he's just an asshole. Yeah, because I, I, I'm his right hand man. Yeah. Why are you hurting me? If I yeah. was the enemy, okay, he's being method. Okay, maybe. But I was on. Yeah. I was. I was the only yeah. guy on his side. Yeah. It. You know. You a lot. There, a lot of the stuff that's been getting like noticed. You know, obviously, like people get excited when you talk about celebrities. Right, right. right. Like, people, people love we that. Know it because we know who, who yeah. we're talking about in common. Yeah. Was was that is that any different? Uh, you know, uh, like writing about a uh, legitimately famous person versus writing about somebody who's just in your life. Well, when you write about them, then it's then it gets tougher. Like when I wrote stuff about Patrick Swayze and the fights we had in yeah. Tu Wong Fu, then, then Patrick has got really upset and called my publicist, and uh, and then he wrote about about it in his own biography about what happened which is great because then all of a sudden I really yeah. saw like a different perspective of that same situation yeah yeah um, wh- how did the you know it, se- it seems like the, the shows are kind of a, a means uh, you know and an, in, in and of themselves like you're doing it on Broadway and you're doing these long runs um, you know are, are, are you ever like working towards something else and you know you, you, there's the HBO special and now you've got this graphic novel yeah um, like how do these adaptations come about uh, well this is the first one that I felt could be a graphic novel yeah. man because it felt like it traveled through so much space and time and so many different characters yeah. and, and, and I did Ghetto Clown very differently than all my other plays this, it was much more a documentary style and it was much more definitely much more play much longer scenes Many more characters talking mm-hmm. to each other at the same time that I didn't really do. I mostly did, mostly like, you know, one man shows is two people scenes. Because yeah. yeah. I was doing three and four. Yeah. And, and it was a blast, man. And, and longer scenes. And so I was very proud of, of, of the work I, I was able to achieve in Ghetto Clown. And I thought, wow, these will make a great graphic novel because huh. there are scenes and there yeah. are, it's, it is like a, like a little movie as opposed to just, you know, like a, a rant. You know what I mean? Why did you think about why did you think about comics before you, before thinking about you know just like you know you're you're an actor you've done movies yeah. why were comics the first place your mind went because I love graphic novels yeah. I mean I do I mean uh, Persepolis is one of my favorite and yeah. uh, it's one of the, the the Dark Knight of course everybody's mm-hmm. favorite too yeah um, and, so you've uh, been wanting to do one for a while then. oh yeah I have I have yeah. but I, I had no idea. I mean, I've been trying to write about a Latin superhero, trying to come up with a Latin superhero, yeah. but that that's that's takes so much goddamn work, man. Yeah, yeah. To really and it's get hard, the like, genesis, and you can be, you know, it's 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 easy enough to be original if you're talking about your life versus like there's there's so many superheroes out there. Yeah, How yeah. The superhero that, thing is yeah, is is rough. I mean, I, I guess because of the way my my life has been and 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 and, and it's geared me towards writing about myself. The superhero thing was just more difficult. It just, yeah. it, 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 you know, I, I'm not as uh, sci-fi minded <laughs> as I thought I was. Yeah. So, it, it, so it's, you know, it's, it's hard work for me. So you're telling me that Super Mario Brothers didn't, <laughs> didn't plant that, uh, that sci-fi seed? Oh, was that, was that, do, you, do you consider Super Mario Brothers to be a sci-fi? There were robotic dinosaurs in That's it. That's true, that's true. 
Yeah, that was the first video movie. Yeah, video, that was the first video game movie. How yeah, did yeah. You, like, I, I, I'm getting the rap assignment, and I, I want to ask you about that because that was a, certainly the first time you were on my radar, and probably yeah, yeah. a lot of people when you were eight or something. Yeah, and when when we were talking about, um, you know, like. Uh, when you get to every level, you fi- you figure it's like smooth sailing from there. You're doing this big movie, you know, like Bob Hoskins, uh, Dennis, Dennis Hopper. Hopper. Like, um, you think like, okay, I'm a movie star. I'm like literally one of the leads in this movie. Um, and then it wasn't the huge success that everybody thought yeah. it was going to be. I mean, the career is a lot like that, man. It's so strange. I mean, our life is like that, but... You get this huge, incredible opportunity. I'm yeah. the lead with Bob Hoskins, a yeah. great actor, admired. Yeah. This okay script. You know, the script wasn't good. <laughs> the directors were great. Yeah. And I just come off doing Spicarama and Carlito's yeah. Way, and they said, you know, we're just going to give you a lot of freedom, and then, and then, you know, the freedom didn't really happen, and and but I did, I was able to create this character, but I wasn't really able to like really elevate the material. Mm. It was really, really yeah. difficult. And and then it wasn't a, a big hit, you know. Yeah. And so you know, life brings you all these great opportunities that that sometimes are disappointing in some yeah. ways. And then now now twenty years later, all these people tweet me constantly <laughs> how important this movie was to them, and yeah. and how many people love it. Where's number two? Yeah. And then oh God, Bob Hoskins <laughs> Bob, yeah, passed, Bob and Dennis yeah. Hopper passed, and you're like, wow, I got to work with them, and yeah. I got to spend a lot of time with them. So now I. I look at the movie kind of fondly, you know. Yeah. It was, it was, I had a lot of fun in that movie off camera. But, but real quick, um, <laughs> in, in the moment, you know, when, when this has happened and it's not the success that you thought it was going to be, are, are you good? You just bounced back? You just, did, you just went on work in something else? You didn't, like, wallow in, in that for a little while? I, well, I wallowed in it for a little while, you yeah. know. I, I didn't feel responsible for it. So yeah. I think that's what took the onus from me because I, I didn't feel like it was my fault. You know, yeah. I, I didn't write the piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. You know, I did the best I could with the circumstances. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, it was disappointing. Definitely a, a disappointing moment going, oh, wow, I wish this would have blown up and been big. And But you're lucky that you've done so many different things that you could go do stage. Like, there's always, you, you can always just sort of, like, bounce back. I did back. bounce right back. I did, yeah. went, then I went and did Tu Wong Fu, yeah. that, you know, pretty soon right after. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, no, I just kept going, you know. I, I, I think if you have talent, you can always bounce back. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's really the key. You have an ability and a talent. You can always bounce back. You you're, don't. Yeah. You, 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 it's going to be really tough to bounce back if you don't have skills. You're like the, the super. This the video game thing didn't work out. I'm going to put on a dress. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, at that at, at that point in my career, I just loved being anything yeah. that was as far away from me as possible, man. Yeah. And then I did Spawn, the Clown. You know, just yeah, yeah. Stuff that's as further from me as possible. It was just what I dug. Now. Then I'm mature. Now you want to be you. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I kind of I want to be me. I want to be me. I got it. I think that's where we should go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> when I start singing, it's definitely a, a place to leave. Thanks so much, John. Thank you. Pleasure, man. How about that, right? John Leguizamo. The RYL podcast was not... Uh, it uh, was not something I ever expected to be able to say, uh, but uh, you know, as we spoke about during the interview, John has a, uh, a new graphic novel coming out called Ghetto Clown, based on his one-man show. Um, so, you know, I've got a little bit of pull in the comics world, so we, we managed to make that work. That happened at uh, Book Expo here in New York City uh, a, a couple months back. Uh, really, gosh, so much fun. So, what a what an awesome, awesome time sitting down with John and having 
having that conversation. Uh, I thought we covered a lot of ground there. Uh, thanks so much to John for, for taking the time to do that. And it was a very, very crazy show for him. In fact, like we, um, I mean, books, you know, book, book, book expo is, is, is kind of crazy. And there's, you know, if you've, if you've never been, there's this whole big kind of like pressy area up top. That's where all the publishers are. And that's where they have all the copies of bo- the books. And that's where you talk to the PR people. And, and then downstairs, it's just basically this giant cattle call of people trying to get autographs from, uh, from celebrities. So when, uh, when, when John was arriving, we had to coordinate our uh, our interview in a very specific place we had to do it away from everybody in the like like way back of the room they were about who's about to go on and do a panel with uh, actually a couple of former former uh, guests were on that one uh, Sarah Benincasa was a moderator uh, Liz uh, Liz Winstead who had been on the show a while back to talk about Lady Parts Justice uh, Judah Freelander who oh my oh god would, would love love to have on the show hopefully we'll be able to set that up sometime in, in the near future but uh, so we, we kind of grab this room in the back and this was a two-part interview i hope the sound quality wasn't too different between the first and second part but um we were doing it in the little conference room and then we got kicked out because a couple of a uh, couple dudes wanted to do a, a podcast in there and apparently uh, would not uh, would not have us in the background having our, our our conversations we had to move to this kind of weird like I, it was it's just like weird this super weird area of the javits center that looked like it had been abandoned for like 20 years um so we were just uh, l- literally standing up leading against the wall for the second half of that but uh, i thought it was fun and fascinating and wonderful and great nonetheless uh so uh Thanks so much to John for, for, for taking the time to do that. Uh, thanks to Myatt Abrams for setting that up. Ghetto Clown, you can check it out over on Abrams Publishing. It's uh, written by John based on uh, based on his one-man show of the same name and illustrated by uh, Krista Cassano and Seamus Biale. Um, thanks uh, to Brian, as always, for editing this thing together. Thanks to everybody at the Boy Boy Podcast Network. If you like this show, you can check out many other fine shows over at uh, iTunes. And while you're over at iTunes, you should take the opportunity to, to rate the show if you liked what you heard. You can send us some feedback. It's roilcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr, roilcast.com. .tumblr.com. That is the first and best place to find uh, everything about the show. And I'm noticing right now that uh, iTunes has done a weird thing, and now only 50 episodes of the show are up on iTunes right now, so um, you can find every single episode. That's Those are all still up over at Tumblr. In, in the meantime, I'll see what I can do about uh, addressing that iTunes situation. If anybody has any advice on that front, I would be greatly accepted as well. Uh, thanks uh, thanks to you guys as always for uh, for 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 sticking around and and listening to the show and giving all of your all of your feedback uh we uh i guess that's i guess that's about all i got for this week so we will be back just about this time next week with another episode of r.i.y.l